Alright, well good morning again everybody. Hope that you guys had a good week out there. A little bit colder, got a little bit of snow. Definitely not as much as we were hoping for. But it is good to see you here this morning. Um, last couple weeks we've talked about rest as it deals with the Sabbath. Trying to understand some of the differences while at the same time trying to understand how they are tied together. We looked at the Sabbath being tied to understanding how we are worshiping God and how we can rest in that and have rest for our souls. Today we're gonna to shift our focus a little bit and we're gonna be talking about um, rest in terms of worrying and anxiety amid the struggles that we face within life to where how are we going to the Lord in the midst of those worries, in the midst of those difficulties. Um, so as we focus on that, you know, in my mind as I was picturing that this week, I was envisioning this tower of life, you know, built with like round cylindrical pegs and you have little different plates on top that's balancing and, you know, what our foundation is, what our pillars are, are the strength of our life. And as I'm thinking about this and the different areas of life, for so many of us, as we keep going up with worries and fears and things like that, it begins to outweigh or overweigh and imbalance our life based on the foundation that we have. And our life at times will crumble and collapse and fall. We begin to construct it again and we begin to um, construct what we think is best. You know, we joke about how the definition of insanity is doing the same things and expecting different results. But that's our, our approach many times to life, to worries, to fears, to difficulties. And you know, as we come together today, I know that within this analogy, it doesn't always fit one-to-one, -one, and I'm still kind of putting things together, and it'd be a great object lesson to do one day. Um, so when I get those pieces ordered, we'll see how that goes. But I want to talk, as we start out this morning, I want to give you a scenario that I think that you can relate to in terms of the pressures of life and how it can get to you. When I was in college, a 20-year-old student, I was working in the mailroom. And a lot of things come through the college mailroom. There's a lot of different types of mail, junk mail, that you have to process through. Um, sidebar, one of the things that we used to have a lot of fun with was these wonderful CDs that would come in. I don't know if you remember these. Two months free of internet. I used to love these because we, had, we didn't have internet back at home, but in college you had fast internet. You go back home and you're frustrated because of the dial-up tone and the speeds and everything else. And So I stockpiled these. I still have a, a nice little tote just in case, you know, just in case. But I digress. You know, through shuffling through that mail, you see all kinds of different stuff. And one of the things I came across were, were credit card offers. You know, I'm thinking, I'm 20 years old, I should start building some credit, maybe I should get one of these. So I applied, and they gave me a $1,000 spending limit, I mean credit limit. <laughs> I was the king of Walmart that day. And you know, after a few months of paying what I could, you, you quickly reach your spending limit. And you think, how am I going to pay for this? And then you have a couple of charges, and you think, oh, that's pretty close, I don't know if they're going to accept that. Lo and behold, you get your next bill, and 
they up your limit to $1,500. Happy day. This is great. Let's go back to Walmart and get some more stuff. And then it becomes a little unsustainable. How quickly do you think it took me to reach that $1,500? And then so forth and so on. You know, a cute little story about financial irresponsibility that I can look back on and just kind of shake my head. You know, there's been a few other moments through life where you would get, you know, over, in over your head financially and it can freak you out a little bit when you think about debt. You look at your mortgages, your car payments, big expenditures, heating units that break down, different medical emergencies that happen, and it just, it puts you in a bind and you begin to worry. You begin to panic about what's going to happen. You know, and in, in those emergencies, in those you know, rare cases, I find that people are generous and they, they like to help out. In other instances, sometimes you need to face some of the consequences of your decisions and making bad decisions. Now we can take this story about debt, just kind of one area of light of life where debt can add some stress and some worry or it can cause our towers to crumble. You know, you think about finances, it's a, it's a main reason for divorce in terms of arguments over finances. You know, we, we can look at that and we can look at our credit limits. We can look at the worries and the anxieties of our mortgages, our car payments, where we, you know, we're spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousand dollars into debt. However, let's magnify this scenario to, let's say, our government whose credit limit is $31.4 trillion. And of course, we're at the place of needing to extend that credit limit so that our government continues spending in such wonderful ways that we love and adore. Programs that benefit the whole world. Something that can make us happy to see such wonderful responsibility being handled by our leaders. You know, I tried to cut back on sarcasm in my life but I think it's a love language of mine. <laughs> what about the Jeffrey Epstein scandal? FDA backdoor approvals, the use of FBI and CIA for political reasons, eminent domain, income taxes, two-party systems, two term limits, cancel culture, the woke system being pushed, always being called racist bigots, Mandates, paying taxes on everything as it changes hands, doesn't matter how many times, the government has to get their own peace. Borders that are not protected, confidence in our electoral process, and so much more. We could spend all day railing against the government and the policies that are being pushed. And it's stressful. It's frustrating. It's worrisome. Think of all of the issues that we face because of, at times, our incompetent leaders. And you can wonder, how am I to find rest in the middle of all this chaos, in the, in the middle of all this junk and this stress? Is there anything I can do? Do I just throw up my hands, say, oh well, just follow along and continue to live my life because nothing's going to change? You know, I thought with the government, this was one area that we can kind of agree on in terms of frustrations and worries. But really, there's many areas that we deal with in our life where we can see evil around us. And we try to have a glass half full mentality and we try to approach 
life as how the Lord is working in mysterious ways, even if we don't understand, but things can get blurry as these worries enter into our hearts and minds. So today, I want to give us a little bit of light in how to deal with worry and when it comes to rest. And we're going to be in the first 11 verses of the book of Psalms 37. Psalms 37 helps us to understand rest when it comes to worrying and evil. Now, even though we're going to stop at verse 11, obviously, you know, spend some time in the rest of the book this week as David uh, shares in a lot of different strong ways. You know, there's different divisions and segments within the psalm as well. We're going to cover the first division and then kind of step into the second one as he deals with more of the punishment of the evildoers. But if you have some time, I suggest that you read through that. So Psalm 37, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Father, as we turn to your word today, I just pray that you would give us direction, that you would give us hope in the times and amid our worries, um, and that we would be able to find rest in you in deeper ways through this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so within the first 11 verses, we see this phrase, fret not yourself, used three times. This is a do not worry, do not become agitated, do not be provoked. And in those three mentions, they they are to not fret because of evildoers, they're to not fret over the one who prospers in his way, and they're told that fretting leads or tends to lead to evil. You know, when we think of fretting and worrying and anxiety and fears, it's something that many of us can struggle with in various areas of our life. It's something that can distract our minds um, from what truly matters to where our minds are paralyzed by these fears, by these worries, and we're not able to do anything constructive. We're not able to focus on things that we need to because our energy is poured into worrying and fretting instead. I mean, if that's all we're doing, then who has time for rest? right? According to a 2022 study, anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults. So that doesn't include children. Um, This would include or be areas related to phobias, PTSD, generalized anxiety, panic disorders, social anxiety, and so much more. Women are more likely to suffer from anxiety, and the most common age range is between the ages of 30 and 44. 
I share these stats because worry and anxiety, anxiety are both very real struggles that occur in many people's lives. You know, and if you struggle with these things, it definitely affects your ability to rest well. I want to be vocal about that. You know, it's not an excuse, but rather it's just an issue that needs to be dealt with in our lives that we have to address. And in our passage, the fretting is about evildoers. That is kind of our main context that we're going to focus on. So this worrying is about relationship with others. It is about power struggles and those types of fears. You know, obviously it can, there could be a general form of evil that's being talked about that just kind of exists where we feel helpless to do anything about, um, where we don't know necessarily where the source might be coming from. It could be something that is experienced personally, personal evils that happen. You know, and as to combat this context of evil, David says, do not worry. Do not be envious because the evildoers will be cut off. They will fade away like the grass. They will wither like the herbs. Seems like a a pretty simple explanation. Don't worry because they're going to be cut off. Are you satisfied with that answer? I mean, how do you hold on to this verse when the bully continues to bully? How do you hold on to this verse if the government continues to grow more corrupt? You know, I look at this explanation and I begin to think, okay, yeah, but they're still in power, Lord. I need to see these results because they continue to make my life miserable and I worry about my kids' future. So how can I trust in your word, Lord, when I don't see these changes? How can I trust in your word when this is my life experience? And you begin to question the word of God based on your experiences. Do you see how that trail of worrying can lead you into that type of thinking? It's a type of thinking that I think we can all follow in terms of a rabbit trail. And it's dangerous. That's just the first couple of verses. Jump down to verse 8 for a second. Where it says, Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Or it leads to evil. You know, worrying in the ways that we normally do leads to evil. Have you ever thought of it that way? See, worrying is not something that we're called to do as believers. But as a Christian, do you ever then, you know that truth, but then do you worry? Feel guilty about that worrying, and then worry about the guilty feelings that you worried before, and then worry even more because you worried again. It's a vicious cycle, and it can create some you know, nervous laughter in our heads, like, yeah, that never happens to me. We tend to worry and to have some fears. Now, when we think about our Christian life, when we think about how our worries impact us, like I said in that first rabbit trail, basically what happens is we question the word of God and the character of God. We doubt in ways that lead to unbelief. Now, we do have some context there in verse 8 with anger and wrath at the start of the verse to help us understand um, evil that it could lead to. You know, the, the worrying could lead us to anger, it could lead us to wrath. But throughout this overall context, I would suggest that the evil 
of worrying leads to doubting or to not trusting in the Lord. And that's sin because we are then trusting in something else. We're worrying that the word of God is not true, so we're going to turn to this other idol and hope and trust that that will pull us through, that that will be the answer or that solution that we need. Worrying takes us away from the will of God and puts it on ourselves. Let me explain a little bit further. You know, as I said, if we're spending our time worrying, in reality, then we're saying we're not trusting the Lord. Our time and our mental capacity is filled with temporal things and, and worries and fears. How can there be anything known as rest entering into our thinking if that's what's dominating? Now, when it comes to trusting the Lord, there's a few areas that we tend to focus on. We tend to focus on trusting the Lord for our salvation. That's more of an eternal perspective. And we're trusting that the Lord will also then provide in the next few weeks, whether it's for food or bills and things like that, so it's more of the immediate context. In both areas, I think there's temptations to falter, to worry. I mean, how many times have we worried, am I really saved? And then we pray again, Lord, save me. Do we continue on with that worry of eternal perspective? Versus some of the immediate in terms of magnifying the results in our lives. And Lord, I prayed for this and it didn't happen. Why? Why don't I have this yet, Lord? Your word says this. You know, in our passage today, there is this general trust talking about eternal things. The success of evil people. It could happen their entire lives. But what those first two verses are talking about is eternity that they will be cut off from eternity. No matter how much success they have in this world, it is just worldly success. It will end with their death. However, those who trust in the Lord will see those rewards for life. You know, as Matthew 6 talks about, you know, those who do these things for the here and now, they've received their reward, so to speak. But as for the believers, they do not store for themselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Instead, we store ourselves treasures in heaven. You know, when we see corrupt politicians, when we see wealthy people who might have gotten their riches through nefarious means, you know, with their abusing their power, if they're succeeding in ways that we don't like, if they're stepping on the little guys, it sickens us. But again, if they're lost then this life, this world is all that they're living for. It's corrupt. It is evil. They're putting all of their their hope and their trust in their riches, in their power, but they will be cut off. Where is it that we are placing our hope? Are we envious of what they have? Are we content and satisfied with the salvation that we've received? So as we began today, I want us to acknowledge evil, that it is all around us realizing that we can spend a lot of brain power fretting over evil, worrying about the evil in this world. And of course, the next question that could come to your mind is, well, what do we do about injustice? What do we do about unrighteousness in this world? How do we respond? How do we combat that without worrying? Very simply, by speaking the truth in love, standing firm on the word of God. You know, worrying does not fix anything. And the positive response that David gives is in the next few verses, verses three through seven. Let me reread those. Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So we look at those verses and we see those verbs, right? Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, befriend or cultivate or shepherd faithfulness, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, be still, wait patiently. Now there's a lot that you can unpack with just those verbs, diving in to each one of those verbs and what those mean in your life. Um, but I want to I want to address two common misperceptions to get them out in the open. First, they can seem like ideal platitudes. Right? So we we look at these um, similar to the way that the non-religious community would treat when we say thoughts and prayers. You know, it's just this big ideal. It doesn't really do much. What does all of this even mean? You know, and... In those instances, people will think that these ideals are too lofty, they're too high up there, it's not very practical, so they just throw up their hands and give up. Secondly, you can focus on different parts within the couplets, and your emphasis could be on those. Let me point that out. In the second part of verse 4, as it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. All right. Can't wait for that cash flow to come in, right? It's going to be great. It's going to give me the desires of my heart. If I just do all of these things, then I get the desires of my heart, right? See, the misperception is you are starting from a point of selfishness to then trust the Lord rather than from a point of brokenness, understanding your sinful state, understanding who the Lord is as your Savior, as your healer, as your Lord. So we could approach these verbs... Um, with less than holy thoughts, and we want to be aware of those. So let's break down these verbs a little bit, just kind of briefly this morning, starting in verses 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord. So this is trusting in the person of, of the Lord and what he says. We're trusting in his word, in his promises, where we're turning to him in times of help. Our hope and our, and our belief is in him and what he says, what he has done, what he says he will do. Do good. I think this is opposed to doing evil that's being referenced here in the passage. But it's also tied to trusting the Lord because you're understanding your definition of goodness based on God. You're understanding your definition of what is good based on his word and you're obeying his commands. That is seen as doing good. Dwell or abide in the land. So abiding in the land is tied to rest. And this is seen from the Exodus journey where it is the land of promise. He promises to give them rest into the land of flowing with milk and honey. So dwelling is residing in the land with God. And he invites his people to enter into his land. Befriend faithfulness or cultivating or shepherding faithfulness. So this is where it's kind of like loyalty. Well, we're staying in the land that the Lord has called us to. We're not looking off for greener pastures. We're not looking for other idols. We're staying faithful to what the Lord has commanded, and we're staying where he has given us to pasture. 
Delight in the Lord means to refresh yourself, to pamper yourself in the Lord and his love. And we see these imperatives. um, And then this line of giving your heart's desires. You see, the instructions of these imperatives is very simple. They're simple statements. They don't need a lot of expounding. Just put them into practice. And what happens then is your heart begins to change to where you're desiring the will of God the way that God's will is. You know, Jesus says something very similar in John 15 where it's the chapter on abiding. He says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You know, so often we can just focus on that last half of the verse and forget all about the abiding presence. Forget all about what it means to abide, to be one with the Lord, to be in his word, to be in that relationship, to be in prayer. Instead, we just want, we just want what we ask for. That's not the motivation that we, that we need. We need to be practicing putting our trust in the Lord and our hearts and desires are changed to be lined up to the heart of God. Now, verses five and six are similar in how we are to commit our ways to the Lord. So this is a dedication of our life and our paths to his ways to stay on the narrow path. Trust in him and he will act. This is tied to verses three, verse three's meaning with a different result. You know, and when you look at verses five and six, um, what are we to focus on? Where's our time and our energy to be spent in those? Committing our ways and trusting him. You know, similar, similar to that last couplet of verses, we see a temptation of worry within there. Where can that temptation come? Perhaps in how we want him to act. And of course, in our timing. You know, it says that he will act, so we want to try to control how he, he'll, how he will act. That is the temptation. Because as these worries happen, we want comfort we want the path of least resistance we want you to take care of our problems lord and you know we talked about it in sunday school this morning it's not always a life of prosperity it's not always a life of peaches and cream it's not always like that you have to go through these hardships and these trials but the lord is consistent the lord is the same and we are to put our trust in him you know when we think about this temptation we are to stay true to what the word says We are to commit and dedicate our ways in how we're living our life to his ways, not our own. The path is already narrow. And if we're worrying about different things, about when God will act or how he will act, it shows some of our selfishness and our selfish motivations coming out. We need to trust in the Lord because God will act as he desires in his timing and it will be according to his word. And you know, we can pray according to his word, Lord, your word says this, we're praying for this to happen. We're praying for you to come back. We're praying for these things. But again, we have to understand that it is in his time. And when we struggle with that, then we look in verse seven. What does verse seven say? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. To be still is to rest. To be still is putting all of these other things into practice where we're trusting in him, in his ways, in his plan that he knows what is best for us and we're trying our best to follow what that looks like. We're resting in him so we are, we're filling our lives up with him 
rather than the worries of this world, rather than the fears that can face us, these difficulties that can consume us. But we instead are, are filling up ourselves with his word and the spiritual disciplines. This week, kind of as a parallel type of study, I was reading through the book of Lamentations and the book of Ecclesiastes. Lamentations is a short book. Um, I definitely recommend reading through it in light of this psalm to help you kind of understand because of what Jeremiah is going through with the people. And there's a few good sections, but I'm just gonna share in chapter three, verses 22 through 26. He says this. He says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And through the book of Ecclesiastes, I would maybe suggest chapter two to kind of unpack some of the toil that we strive for, the chasing after the wind, the vanity of life that we consume ourselves with and, and how um, Solomon just says that it is all va- vanity, is all chasing after the wind compared to the, the endless worth of knowing the Lord. Now let's look at verses eight through 11. As we look at verses 8 through 11, we can understand how frustrations and worry at times can bring out anger and wrath in us. At times we blow up because we lose control of our emotions, where we're maybe fighting selfishness rather than committing our ways to the Lord. We may even convince ourselves something like, well, I'm fighting the Lord's battle. It's a righteous anger. He wants me to be angry like this. I thank the Lord I don't have to be the judge in those situations a lot of times. I kind of leave that up to him. But when we look at how verse eight starts, to refrain means to let go, to not hold on to, to release it, because anger can control you. If anger is controlling you, then you're not being controlled by the Lord. You're being controlled by something else. To forsake wrath. To forsake is to abandon, to leave it behind. I think forsake is a little bit stronger in terms of the verbiage than refrain because with wrath there is a more of a premeditated anger. There's an extended period of hatred behind the wrath and these things lead to evil. But we are called to wait for the Lord because you will inherit the land. Again, calling it back to the promised land, calling us back to the promises of God and entering into his rest. This is more of an eternal perspective in terms of how Hebrews describes our eternal rest, our eternal slumber uh, as we enter that rest. And you know, as we look at this and, and we compare it to what we're going through now in our lives, whatever difficulties you might have, whatever stressful things are going on in your life, whatever it is that, just consumes you with worry or fear. It may seem that it's lasting for an eternity. It may seem that way because you can't see the end of it. But the Lord is faithful, and we are called to wait on the Lord, to be patient. Now, in a little while, as it says, it will be no more. 
You know, when you think about this blip on the timeline of our life, it is so small in comparison to eternity, to what awaits us. You know, um, I think I remember, uh, I remember a object lesson that Francis Chan used one time, and he had this big, long rope that was stretched out all the way across this stage, and he had on this end just a little bit of red painted on that rope, and he said, you know, we spend so long just holding on to this part of the rope, not even realizing all of the rope of eternity. We hold on to this life for all it's worth because this is what we know. But we don't have that eternal perspective of what's coming ahead. We worry and we fear and we fret about this life. And it consumes us to the point that it distracts from our relationship with the Father. It damages that relationship of what could be. These temporal issues rob us of the peace and the rest that we could be experiencing. But we are to hold fast to his teachings. Not to sway or to give ground because we stand on the ground of truth. We are to have integrity in how we live our lives. Knowing that we don't live perfect lives. We don't claim to live perfect lives. But we are not to get caught up in calling evil good and good evil. Instead, instead, stand on the ground of truth, which is God's word and what it says. Now, we can't stand on that ground if we're not spending time in it. We can't stand on that ground if we don't know what his word says. And it's dangerous to stand on that ground if we think we know what the word says. And we claim that I'm standing on God's ground. So we have to spend time in the word. We have to spend time trusting in what he has said to know who he is and what he is calling us to do. Otherwise, we're gonna get caught up in all of the earthly standards, the temporal things of this world. You know, when we think about the world, obviously they don't subscribe to the same standards as we do. We understand the evil forces that are in this world and they are an enemy that we are to fight against. But our first line of defense is trusting in the Lord. It is committing our ways to him. It is spending time with him. It is resting in him amid all of the worries, all of the distractions that life brings. What a wonderful tool of the enemy. Let's just distract them with earthly things so that they can't spend time with the Father. And how easily do we just follow suit? Rather than giving things over to the Lord. I want to close with just a thought for us to dwell on this week with verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. I just want you to contemplate what that means. To delight themselves in abundant peace. You know, we can look to eternity for this and and I think that that is definitely the proper context. But I want you to think about what peace looks like for you in your life right now in terms of how are you finding rest in the Lord? How are you practicing all of these imperative verbs that are here? You know, as you are practicing them, it can bring abundant peace in your life right now. 
to where when you're facing those difficulties, you can be content, you can be at peace because you know the word of the Lord. You know where your hope lies. You know that this cannot shake your foundation. Remember this, the foundation of God right there and everything that you have balanced up. It's unshakable because of who he is. Not because of your faith, not because of what you believe and all these other things. It's unshakable because of who he is. And when we understand that, when we know that, it brings peace to our hearts and minds. It brings rest to a life that is so distracted, that is so entertained, that is escaping, that is hiding, and all the like. When we, look, when we practice these verbs, we combat those things that come at us. You know, worry, fretting, anger, wrath, they can be strongholds in our life. The enemy can use those things against us to keep us away from the Father. And the answer that we have to defend against that is turning to Jesus. He has come to us, he has invited us into his presence, into his land of rest, to abide with him, to dwell with him. You know, when I'm filled with his spirit, even if the world is crumbling around me and I wanna go hide and curl up in a ball in a corner, I don't because he is God and he has called me to do the different things. He is the one who reigns. And sometimes it's just a sliver of hope, but it's hope in the midst of darkness. It is, he is the light in this world that is full of darkness. And we are light bearers. You know, that's why we don't isolate ourselves. That is why we encourage one another. That's why we keep each other accountable. Even in those times that we want to curl up in balls. We know that he is the Lord. We might not understand everything. We might not get everything. But as we rest in him, he will show us the way. As we trust in him, he will prove to be faithful time and time again. As we deal with anger, as we deal with wrath, he will bring us peace. Because his word says so. And it's not a, a genie with a wand type of thing. We have to trust in him. We have to commit our ways to him. We have to spend that time. We have to practice those spiritual disciplines in order to grow in a, in a deeper way to understand rest. You know, I pray often about the difficulties that many of us are facing. I pray often about the worries and the anxiety. And as I check in with people and they tell me, I'm fine, I'm good, you always have to ask again, are you really? Or are we just sidestepping the question? because it's polite. Life's hard. We understand that. We know that. It's not an excuse, but we need to acknowledge it. We need to be able to say when we need help. We need to be able to say when we're struggling with things. Because the enemy wants to devour us. He wants to rob us of this rest and this peace. He wants to keep us distracted because if we're distracted, then we can't advance the kingdom. If we're distracted, then we can't live for the Father. As Christians, as, as growing Christians who are making disciples and all of those types of things, we're, we're moving forward with a purpose to advance his kingdom forward, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the surrounding regions, as Acts 1.8 says. 
So as we go through this understanding, as we contemplate this message today, I want us to face the worries that we lift up in our lives. I want us to face the selfishness that is still there in our hearts and minds and replace it with trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word and we see your truths being clearly said, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't shy away from them. I pray that we wouldn't be able to make different excuses um, to keep us where we're at, but that we would constantly be moving forward down the narrow path. Help us in those times where we may be misunderstanding your word, taking it out of context for our own selfish motivations. Lord, help us to trust in you because it is only in you that we can find peace and rest. So I pray for devoted and dedicated time this week to be with you, to be in your word, to be in prayer. Lord, I pray against the enemy's attacks this week, whether that's things in the government that can rile us up, whether that's things in our home life that continue to fester. Lord, I pray that we can introduce you into those situations, into our hearts and our minds, and that we can respond in peace and not in anger or wrath that we can respond in your truth and not our own selfishness. Lord, I seek forgiveness for the times that I've been selfish and I just pray, Lord, that you would, that you would heal me of those things. That you would help me to repent and that I can follow hard after you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand for our last song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul.